Hi, this is Jim Quick, and I have a quick update for you. I'm proud to announce my very first book, Limitless. Upgrade your brain, learn anything faster, and unlock your exceptional life. This book is not only based on the latest neuroscience, it is field tested for over 28 years of working with some of the most amazing minds on our planet. Just go to LimitlessBook.com and enjoy this book. Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Welcome back, Quick Brain, a question we get often in our private Facebook group of over 100,000 members now is this, how can you increase your emotional flexibility and your agility, especially during difficult times? And I'm excited today to have a very special guest, Dr. Susan David. Now she's an award-winning Harvard Medical School psychologist, author of the Wall Street, the number one Wall Street Journal bestseller, Emotional Agility, Get Unstuck, embrace change and thrive in work and life. Susan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. And so we're talking, you and I, before we started recording, we were talking about emotional agility. Why don't we define that for our listeners first? Absolutely. So I'll give a very short example, and then I'll give one that's a little bit longer. Emotional agility is basically the most critical skills that allow us to be healthy with ourselves. And why is this important? Because, of course, how we deal with our inner world drives everything. It drives how we love, how we live, how we parent, how we lead, and indeed how we come to difficult situations, complex situations, whether those are situations invoking, you know, pandemic or job loss or other uh, issues that we may be facing in our lives. So emotional agility is basically these skills around psychological health. And if I have to give now a more far-reaching definition, it's really the ability to be able to be with yourself in ways that are healthy. And this involves curiosity. You know, why am I feeling what I'm feeling? Uh, why are other people feeling what they're feeling? It involves compassion because we live in a world that would have us always be hard on ourselves, you know, always be hustling. And actually what we know is that self-compassion is critical to being able to be effective in a sustained way in the world. And also courageous because when we're taking risks, when we're taking on new opportunities, when we're having conversations that feel difficult, or even when we are taking steps that are aligned with our values, but that feel uncomfortable, we need courage. And so these are core skills and they are really from a science-based perspective, absolutely essential to our effectiveness and our well-being. Mm. So when you're talking about things like curiosity, compassion, mm -hmm. courage, are these things that from your research that people could, they could cultivate I mean, this is something, is, is the opposite of, of, of having agility, like rigidity? Yes, yes. So firstly, absolutely, these skills can be cultivated. 
we all have every single day thousands of emotions and thoughts and even stories. You know, an emotion might be, I feel stressed or I feel anxious or worried. A thought might be, I'm being undermined by this person. A story might be a story that was written on our mental chalkboards in grade three about who we are, whether we're creative, entrepreneurial, what kind of love we deserve, what kind of life we deserve. And these thoughts, emotions, and stories are normal. You know, contrary to all of the memes that you see on social media that talk about positive only and positive vibes only, in fact, it's normal to have difficult thoughts, emotions, and stories. So rigidity is when you basically get hooked or stuck in a thought, emotion, or story in a way that stops you from moving forward. So it's not the having of the thought, emotion, story. It's that it stops you from moving forward in a way that's values aligned. So for instance, um, I'm stressed and so I bring my cell phone to the table and now I'm not present with my family and it's taking me away from my value of connectedness. Or the story that I have says I don't really deserve to be uh, successful or I'm not creative and so we don't put our hands up for those opportunities. So there's rigidity and there's agility and of course rigidity is something we see every single day. We're seeing it in politics, how people become very entrenched in their beliefs, um, but we also see it just in the way we navigate our focus on being right, you know, when we're in an argument or even the way we buy into these stories. So how, how would you explain to somebody where this, where does this rigidity come from of, of, of these thoughts or emotions, these, these stories, why are people so stuck, whether it's in politics or, you know, a certain point of view, people, they, they clamp down and they want to validate what they know. How is it difficult to be flexible? Can people stretch like they do their physical muscles? Can they Absolutely, absolutely. So um, there are a couple of reasons that we know people become rigid. The first is that we have many norms within our culture that actually stop our ability to be flexible with ourselves and flexible in the world. And uh, an example of this is when we have something that says, just be positive, just be happy. You know, in order to be successful, you've just got to think positive and go for it. And what that often does is it leads people into a situation with themselves when, when they're experiencing struggle or when they're having a bad day, they uh, start hustling with themselves. So they say, oh, I shouldn't feel this. I've got to, at least I've got a job. I shouldn't be feeling upset about what's going on in the workplace. They push their difficult emotions aside. They try not to think about it almost in the service of forced positivity or just getting on with it. Um, and what this can do is it can stop us from saying, what are my emotions telling me? You know, if I am feeling guilty, that guilt might be a signpost that I need more uh, presence with my children and I don't have enough of it. Or if I'm feeling bored, that border might be a signpost that I need greater levels of learning. And when we push aside our difficult emotions in the service of um, this narrative that I've got to just be 
positive in order to be successful, actually it stops us from being flexible. So that's one reason. Another reason is that we know that when people have huge amounts of information coming at them, that this information actually leads us to become stressed and anxious. And so what you have very often is a perceptual closing, you know, what is it that I know? What is the belief that I'm going to hold on to? And, you know, we've all experienced this. We've all had the situation where we might have a fight with someone we love and we become so stuck on the idea of I am right and that person's wrong. And what we often forgetting to ask ourselves is the much more important question, which is if the gods of right came down and said, you know, you are right, you are right, you are right. You still have the choice about how do you want to act? Who do you want to be in this moment? But we get hooked on being right. And so these skills of emotional agility are skills that absolutely in very practical ways can be cultivated. And I can give you some examples of them in practice if that would be helpful. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to deconstruct this a little bit. When somebody wants to be right, they're not asking themselves, they're asking maybe, they're asking what do I need to say or what do I need to do, but not necessarily the intent matters. Like who, do, who, who should I be? What's my outcome here? And then they can employ a level of curiosity or a level of, or even what you were saying before, you know, when, uh, when they're, there's, they lack self-compassion and they're not kind with themselves just because they're having a bad day and they, they feel guilty for feeling bad. And maybe these emotions you're saying are signals or, or these signposts that there's something to learn here as opposed to suppressing it. Yes, yes. You know, what's really interesting is when you look at people trying to suppress difficult emotions, it's a little bit like I speak about this in my TED talk, this delicious piece of chocolate cake in the refrigerator. The more you try not to think about it, yeah. the more you think about it. And so, you know. Yeah, there's, there's this amplification effect. So we might think we're in control of difficult emotions when we deny, ignore, or suppress them. But in fact, they control us. And so you find this rigidity. And, and what it does is it takes you away from being values aligned. It takes you away from, you know, you, you become so focused on being right in the argument or you anxious about difficult feedback that you need to give someone. And so you avoid that difficult feedback. Whereas actually, if you were more curious about that emotion and you said, you know, well, I feel rage here. What is this rage signposting to me about my values, about what I care about? If you feel rage when you watch the news, that rage might be a signpost that you value equity and fairness. If you feel guilt as a parent, the guilt might be signposting that you value presence and connectedness. If you feel lonely because you are Zooming, you know, 24 seven, but actually you're missing connection and you can be lonely in a crowd. You can be lonely yes. with a partner that you've been living with for 10 years. Yeah, especially now. I think we all, you know, what resonates, I get truth bumps just hearing you talk. It's, I call them truth bumps, not, not goosebumps. 
but I, um, we all need somebody to encourage us to, to help, you know, at least courage in us to be able to, to educate us, to challenge us, to cheerlead for us. And also, um, if we haven't found that person yet, be that person for somebody else and also be that person for ourselves, most of all. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you use the word encourage, you know, and what is encourage? Encourage is an emotion, but of course, embedded in the word encourage is courage, is the word courage. And, you know, I, I, I recall actually um, 10 years before my father died, before we knew that he had cancer, um, I went through as a five-year-old a fear of death. Many children at around the age of five years old become aware of their own mortality. Mm. And I remember going into my parents' room and I would basically lie between the two of them through these very long, dark nights. And I would say to my father, promise me you'll never die. Promise me you'll never die. Mm. And my father could have tried to build some forced false, toxic, positive buffer between me and reality. He could have said things like, oh, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. You know, I'm going to be around for long. Like he could have said those things, but he didn't. He said to me, Susie, we all die. It's normal to be scared. And that was so powerful because what I understood that he was saying to me in those long, dark nights is courage is not an absence of fear. You know, being beautiful and whole and hearty in the world is not about not having difficult emotions, never being sad, never being angry, never being anxious. Courage is not an absence of fear. Courage is fear walking. Courage is about being able to notice what it is you are feeling with curiosity and with compassion and to do the same for others and to take values connected steps even when it's difficult amazing susan thank you so much for your time today uh, on behalf of our listeners how can people find out more about, about your work thank you i'm so grateful to be speaking and just your calmness and your your beauty in asking these questions i'm so grateful um there are three key ways uh, if people are interested in finding out more the first is my book which you mentioned it's called Emotional Agility, and that is, you know, contains a lot of what I describe. The second is my TED Talk. It's called The Gift and Power of Emotional Courage. And then the third, which is very practical and a lot of people just love, is I've got a free emotional agility quiz at susandavid.com forward slash learn. About 140,000 people have taken that. And it asks questions about your values, the way you think about your emotions. It's very quick, but it gives you a free 10-page report. And so any one of those are useful avenues if people have connected with these ideas. Astonishing. I would challenge, and we'll actually put all the links in our show notes as, as well as we often do at jimquick.com forward slash notes to your TED Talk, to your book and also to your assessment as well. And I would challenge everyone to take a step right now is to take a screenshot of this episode in whatever form you're watching, whether it's in Stitcher, it's in Spotify, it's on YouTube, iTunes, wherever it is, and uh, tag us both in, on social media and share one thing you learned in this conversation. I believe when you learn with the intention of teaching somebody else, 
then you learn it better and uh, you get to learn it twice. So share it with your fans, your followers, your family, your friends. And that's one way of integrating it more, you know, inside of your being. So again, take a screenshot, tag us both on social media, post it. I'll repost as I often do uh, some of my favorites and I'll actually send a copy. I have multiple copies of your book. I'll send a copy to uh, one of our uh, one of our listeners just as a thank you uh, for, for playing along with us. And uh, Susan, thank you so much for, for sharing your time and, and your talent with us. And, uh, you know, we, we, need, we all need more people to step in into this, into, into this better version, you know, of ourselves. And we're all in this quest. And if you, you know, we keep on going along and we're still figuring out until we get to be introduced to that person. I think that's so wonderful. And thank you so much. And I do, I think that right now, you know, life is asking of all of us, you know, even in the midst of this challenge, who do you want to be? Mm. And such a powerful question for us to inquire of in ourselves. Uh, so thank you for having me on. I so appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's kwikbrain.com. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, want more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You want to learn faster now? The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team can properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think. I hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you want to go deeper with many of these authors that we have on our podcast, these experts, I want to invite you to join our Quick Success program. This is our monthly lives that I do, where I teach something brand new that we haven't taught before, answer your burning questions. And also we have something that people have been requesting for many years, a quick book club. This is your limitless book club where every single month we read a book together, uh, like a book provided by this author. And then we get the author to come online and join us for a one hour 
uh, share going deeper in these strategies, how to put them into practice. Uh, I share my five tips for how to memorize things out of these books. Many people want to read a book a month or build up to that. And this would be the program. So if you want to join, just go to quicksuccess.com and get your spot and join us live and get to meet these authors very uh, up close and personal. And uh, back to the episode.